0: Welcome to the sixth episode of Ready, Set, Debt. I'm Ulrika Lobo, and I'm the director of Sparrow Loans, a private property lender in the market. We've been talking a lot in the media about owner-occupier mortgages and the distresses that are on the horizon for them, but let's look at the investment side. Since the beginning of the pandemic, asking rents have increased by nearly 24% for houses and 12% for units. And we've seen 9% actual increases in rents since July 2021. So a deepening rental crisis is unfolding as landlords pass on their rate hikes and renters are forced to carry the burden for the most part. But why can landlords charge such high rents? Perhaps it's driven by a shortfall in supply. In this episode, we're going to talk about rental increases and how they're affecting investment property prices and income. Let's get started. Rents may be a more accurate measure of housing supply and demand than housing prices themselves as their price only capture the cost of living in a property and is readily comparable. So if you believe the supply and demand theory, which most people do, more demand than supply naturally means higher prices. Whether this is because renters are priced out of the market, do not have supply to purchase, or prefer to rent in this economic climate, this could explain the vast growth gap between rents and house prices. While the residential property price index climbed by nearly 30% in the decade following the GFC, rents only increased by 10% on average back then. So, when you compare that to the 24% increase in housing rents or the asking prices of housing rents, it's quite significant. When considering the supply and demand of housing, house prices were the most reliable indicator. But if their prices rose, it meant demand outstripped the availability of homes for purchase, driving greater competition. The same situation also overheats the rental market, though, as fewer Australians purchasing investment properties means fewer properties available for rent. This could, of course, also signal the lack of affordability for higher house prices, especially in a cooling market. However, houses uh, or properties, I'm going to use it interchangeably, are both a place to live and an asset to invest in. Their value does not just reflect the difficulty in acquiring one because of the tight supply, it also needs to be a good investment relative to the cost of acquiring and maintaining it. With house prices decreasing though, and rents increasing, are we seeing a demand for renting or a short supply of options to purchase, especially as the cost of rent rivals the cost of a mortgage? Recently, rents have been accelerating at lightning speeds, climbing almost 10% in the last 12 months. This reveals an acute shortfall of supply, especially as savings ratios are still relatively high, which means that the initial burden of stamp duty for the buyer could be accessible and wage growth could support the purchase of a new home with a comparable cost of renting. But rents are an important indicator of future prices, and they do set long-term price trends for renters across the market. Factoring in any increases to servicing costs or rental value that landlords expect show a true cost profile of living in a property. While property investors did lean on capital gains to offset a shortfall in rental income in the past, knowing that they can't count on these capital gains for the next two years is actually pushing more costs into the rental profile and helping landlords and property investors essentially offset the extra costs that they're facing. According to CoreLogic, rental listings decreased by 34% in June against the Australian long-term average for this period. This places substantial upward pressure on rents, squeezing renters in our current cost of living crunch. This should be forcing them to act, to buy property, but with property prices on the decline and most property investors not likely to sell unless there is some return to normal, the renters that would benefit from a lower property value are not able to access them, creating the shortfall in supply. Lack of social housing also means that the private sector really controls almost all rent, which speaks to the fact that there is an inherent profit motive in rental income. This means that property investors are going to be relying less on capital gains for their margins and rental prices are bound to increase to exceed the cost of mortgages or the upkeep of the property. The increased cost of owning property and falling property prices has decreased supply on the market and that has been met with increased demand as the average household size decreases and also more people begin looking for properties to live in. This drives greater competition as property becomes a scarce resource and the rental market is forced to pay higher rents. Decreasing vacancy rates also contribute to this competition problem as rental properties are snapped up and property buyers focus on purchasing owner-occupied assets rather than investment properties. The thing about investment properties is that they are temporarily less attractive as you can't count on capital gains over the next two years. And that was the biggest advantage of a high leverage profile. But buyers can justify spending up to 10% extra and leveraging themselves higher than they would on an investment property because it's a home that they want to live in and there is this emotional adage and emotional decision making that enters the room. This could also explain why vacancy rates in Sydney, Brisbane and Perth are all at record lows while Melbourne is only 0.2% from its historic low. As a result, rental stock is on the market for less time, forcing prospective renters to act decisively and make offers above the listed price to secure the desired property. The balance of pricing between regional areas and capital cities has also shifted. As thousands of Australians embraced the working from home model and flocked to regional areas during the pandemic, rents and property prices for both houses and units surged. It's interesting to note regional house rents overtook city unit rents for the first time. In Queensland, regional asking rents are now higher than Brisbane city rents, trends that have not been seen in over a decade. Furthermore, regional areas often lack the housing infrastructure to support a large-scale influx to people. Many of the homes are unoccupied and the number of rental space is scarce. The sheer volume of demand and the constrained supply is a nightmare for renters, which send prices skyrocketing. While development has begun to pick up in these areas to fill in the gaps in rent and investment capacity, it won't provide price relief for renters for some time. This year, 85% of suburbs had house rents at record highs, while 65% of suburbs had unit rents at record highs. Every Australian market has become a landlord's market. As the RBA continues to raise the cash rate, landlords are forced into higher mortgage repayments. This cost increase is then passed on to tenants with flexible contracts and prospective renters. Given the shortfall of supply, it's unlikely that renters will have many choices but to accept inflated prices as the new normal. So as monetary policy tightens, we will see the advertised rents climb. Furthermore, landlords can only raise their rent every 12 month period, which means that whatever rent raises we're seeing now is also anticipating the further rate rises that will be incurred over the next 12 months before they can reset their rent. With supercharged regional property rents, investors have a prime opportunity to purchase high yielding property for a discount as rates and property values fall. Regional properties remain cheaper than their metropolitan counterparts and are likely to cool further. So investors can enter the market more cheaply while earning a higher return on rent. The increase in land rents may also continue faster than rising mortgage repayments, ensuring a growth rather than contraction in profits, at least while there's still uncertainty over how high the cash rate is going to go. This should be an added security net for property investors that want to secure their yield and income and reset their rental prices. The yield also protects falling asset prices as it makes owning property still an attractive option. With stamp duty being restructured from January, 2023, this should also rebalance the scale somewhat as renters affected by high rental increases look for property to live in, choosing the mortgage costs over the rent cost. With less renters in the market, but also fewer investment property supply, there will be a new balance by the end of 2023, but it will mean that the demand created for these new property requirements for renters that don't want to pay high rent anymore is going to help protect some asset values. While the reduced investment supply, as they're going to be looking for unoccupied occupied property, will still maintain high rental yield. Nevertheless, this stamp duty restructuring is going to affect properties under 1.5 million for the most part. So that means that there will be a slight rebalancing of demand and supply by the end of 2023. Either way, high rents are here to stay. So investors can feel confident that they can meet the growing costs of owning property reducing the pressure to realize losses by selling their properties. As a private lender, what I take away from this is that there's going to be more volatility in properties under 1.5 million, but there will also be resistance against falling property prices as there's going to be an influx of demand for new properties. So that should also stabilize property values under 1.5 mil. Furthermore, because there will still be a lack of investment property supply, Rents are still going to maintain their high levels so I can count on rental yield and rental income when it comes to serviceability of property even as property values drop which also means that lenders may not take a strong hand in recovering property as long as the interest payments are going to be met. This will also ensure fewer defaults in the big picture which will mean fewer distressed properties entering the market on the investment property side. All of this is going to delay the realization of the losses that have been predicted for the property market in hopes that the increased yield and short supply is going to maintain property prices moving forward. Thank you for your time in listening to our sixth episode. I will end it here, but if you have any thoughts and comments, I would be very interested to hear it. Where do you think investment property prices are heading? Do you think that rental yield is here to stay? Or do you have a completely different opinion? Let me know in the comments or with a message. You can find me on LinkedIn under Ulrika Lobo. I hope you had a nice hot cup of coffee while you listened to that. And happy Friday. Have a lovely weekend ahead.